Welcome to We Define Sisterhood, where we celebrate scars and embrace liberation. We are your hosts, Taylin and Sam. Each month, we focus on a spiritual principle that we are rooted in. This month, we are rooted in purity, not simply sexual purity, but mind, body, and spirit. Hey, do, 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 do. it's time this is for the podcast again. Okay. First of all, can we pause before we even get into the podcast? Because y'all, you have asked and we have delivered. If you are listening to this beautiful podcast on platforms such as Spotify and iTunes, all the things, you can now watch us live and in charge in person, y'all. I mean, not really in person, but you know what I mean. Y'all, we showed our face tonight. We showed our face. Yes. Like, we tried. We tried. I mean, normally we be, this is how we are, but we be looking busted and crusty, okay? So today, we had to get it well. You know, I had to get me a little unit. We (laughs) So you need to definitely go to YouTube to see how we're looking, but go ahead and listen (laughs) to our heart checks. What's what's going on? All right, let's go. All right. So the heart check is as simple as it sounds. This is our time to check in with ourselves and our listeners to see just how well we've been keeping ourselves. Hashtag keep yourself. What it do, baby boo? How you doing? How you feeling? How you living? Girl, I'm doing pretty good. This week was, it was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, what week isn't these days? Um, But no, this week was good. I definitely just had a lot of introspection career-wise. I had a lot of thoughts around and just some time around what do I want my career to look like long-term. And I'm grateful for that. I'm excited. As I spoke to in the podcast last episode, when I think back on this time in COVID and this isolation, that's what it feels like but you know Mm -hmm. um I just want to be really sure that I used it to its full advantage like God what did you want me to listen to what did you want me to learn and pay attention to during this season so I'm excited about that I mean I feel like I'm doing what I need to do to really take that time and be purposeful about this season so I'm I'm proud of myself for that um safely I got to see family this weekend which was so good It was so good. I was like, I love y'all and I miss you. And as I, if you listen to our very first episode, I recently moved back home at the beginning of COVID. So it has Mm -hmm. been a time where I've not seen anyone except my parents. Um, And so, yeah, it was just so nice to host people at my little, my humble abode, my little home. Yes, we had went out to brunch today safely again, but like, wow, some sense of normalcy was starting to return. So that felt really good. So Girl, I feel like I'm doing sisters out here in these streets. You know what I'm okay. saying? Walking and exercise. Yeah, just living my best. Trying to, at least. You know, so I'm doing well. Sis, how are you? Okay. Well, you know, you guys have the nice weather back home in California. We do. I'm sorry. California, babes. Because every just, day I'll be outside. Okay. Look, I'm tired. I can't stand the rain. Like, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the snow. I'm sick of the rain. I'm sick. Okay? Because unlike some of you people who don't have pets, it's rain or shine for me. Y'all, my hair. Rain or shine. Like, legit. I mean, I'm just over it. Um, but as far as, like, how I'm doing, you know, it's been up and down. I'm I'm be honest. You know, I feel trapped sometimes. And it, like, yes. wears on my mental health. Agreed. And I know that it's, like, definitely a probably an effect of just being in the pandemic. I also live alone. So, you know, I love my house. I love my apartment. But at the same time, it's just like, bruh, I was looking up hotel rooms. Like I was about to get out of Dodge. And then I was like, okay, wait, come, come slow down. Cause like, we need to get the finances in order. So like, before you get, you know, reckless, <laughs> let's think this through. So, you know, it's, it's cool. Um, I think for me, you know, oh, I do have a funny of the, it's not funny. I almost put my dog. I was about to put her out. Y'all, I was about to put her out. I mean, when I tell you full black mom, like the Hulk, just like, first of all, again, she's only a four month old puppy. She is a mix. So she's very like, she's a mix of a whole bunch of higher energy breeds. Don't ask me why I did that. She was just so cute. I was like, I'm going to get her. And then I got her. And I was like, oh my God, like you're a lot. So (laughs) she, you know, 
I can't like leave her out because she's not trustworthy yet. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's just, her teeth are coming in. She's gnawing on everything. And so I was working in my room and usually I leave my door open. She's in her playpen. I go back and forth to check on her. And when I had came back, when I tell you not a small hole, mm -mm, not one strand, a gaping hole in my carpet. I couldn't, I only saw red. I don't know what I did to her. I definitely popped her like a black. I was like, what is wrong with you? It was a lot. And I know she felt like she was really in trouble because she was dead silent for three hours. Now, if y'all know my dog, if any of you've met her, she's loud as Jack's. She was silent for three hours. So I was just done with her. I was done. I was just like, you're supposed to be my ESA. Like I'm doing the emotional support. You're supposed to be emotional supporting me. But you know, anyway, <laughs> like there's not much going on in, in these parts. I feel like my focus has been how do I set myself up and like reground myself? And like, you know, the last month we've been talking about transition and change. And so I realized like, yeah, you can have all this knowledge, but like if you're not applying the knowledge, then you're not improving. And so I think my focus has been doing my obedience work and yielding. Um, shout out to Apostle Jora, like that last message last Sunday just hit like a ton of bricks. It was like, we don't have as much time as we think, you know, like God is coming back, not to be like fire and brimstone, but he is. And so it's like, what are you going to do with your time while you're here? And I think the biggest obstacle for me recently overcoming is like feeling overwhelmed and it's constantly having to remind myself like one day at a time, one one day at a time. You know, you don't have to fix all the problems in one day. You work at it each day. You build that discipline. You build those good habits. So that's where I'm at. I'm trying to rebuild and create new habits. And it's pretty hard. But I think it's all about consistency and like not getting, not allowing yourself, not allowing the enemy to discourage you. Like speak life. That was a lot of things I did there. (laughs) Amen. Yes, speak life. Speak life. Right. Well, that's our heart check. So hopefully you guys are checking in with your folks. Now we're going to get into our main segment, the meat, the steak, the beef, the lamb, whatever you like to eat. Can we get fish, fish over here for pescatarians? Okay, Thank the tofu so for much. those vegans <laughs> out there, although I hate tofu. Um, all right. So hashtag that's the real tea is a segment where we flip the culture on its head and turn a teacup full of gossip into a teacup filled with meaningful, heartfelt conversation, reflection, and spiritual truth. What are we talking about, Taylor? This we are talking today about relationships. Uh-oh. We were, yes, when we were thinking about this episode, we just finished Love Month. Actually, not even to 28th currently. So almost out of it, almost out of February. And we began to think about romantic relationships, right? But we really realized that sometimes we focus so much on the romantic part of relationships. Mm-hmm. And the genesis of all of that is the relationship with self. And so today we are diving deep <laughs> and talking about self esteem we're talking about self-worth so I want to just start us off by stating self-esteem is what we think and feel and believe about ourselves and self-worth rather is recognizing I am greater than all of those things it is a deep knowing that I am of value that I am lovable necessary to this life and of incomprehensible worth And so I want to just start us talking about as women growing up, even as children, as young girls, what was your model for self-worth and self-value? Who did you see that in and how did you model that after that individual? Child, that's a really good question. And I'm like, ah, do I have to start us off tonight? Yes, because it's my turn. (laughs) Um. You know, I think this question for me is complex because I feel like I can't say it was like just this one thing, just this one person. I think first I want to start by building on what you said, Taylor, is that it all starts with like relationship with yourself, right? And so what creates the relationship with yourself is usually the foundations from where you come from, right? So your family relationships, some of your first relationships are the most formative of you as a person and it even influences your relationship with Christ right and so I think for me one I come from a family so this is how I 
tell my <laughs> significant other like how I distinguish us is that like I am a very warm blood blooded person. My family is warm blooded, and what I mean by that is we are passionate people. If we're mad, we're passionate. If we're happy, we're passionate. If we're sad, we're pa- like we are just like like you know even me like I'm chill, but I come from a family of very strong women. My grandmother, my both of my grandmothers, you know, um, my mom, my aunties, like very, very, very strong. And so that comes in the form of like being direct, that comes in the for- form of being career women, that comes in the form of being matriarchs and taking care of um, family. Um, and I think, you know, it's tricky because again, a lot of us Black women, we grow up with these very, very strong female figures in our life. And so we kind of, we're kind of like raised, I think, to take more than what we should sometimes. Like, I don't know how to articulate this in the best way. So please forgive me if I'm, you know, not expressing it like the best way. But I think, you know, on the, on the, on the other side of that, like, I do, I did witness a lot of like abuse and like, just like emotional trauma in my home, unfortunately. And so I felt like on the flip side of that, I felt like I saw a lot of like passivity and enabling of like negative behaviors. Um, And so it was kind of like, I have some of these positive images, right? Where the women in my family are like pushing me grow, be all that you can be. But then when it comes juxtaposed to their relationship with men or maybe even other family members, I think that's where it started getting like complex. And so like, as we open up and talk about self-worth, I can go more in in depth. But I think for me, for the majority of it, I never felt one thing I appreciated um, growing up is I never felt like I shouldn't have a voice as a woman. Now, did certain circumstances make me lose my voice? Did I feel like my voice wasn't valid? Yes. But if we're going off the strength of being a Black woman in America, I felt like it was encouraged for me to have a voice um, in terms of like pursuing things and and relationships. Um, But I think that, again, it's complex because of the trauma and just like the things that happen within our community that can cause us to lose that, right? Especially when you have people being like, you know, that classic like microaggression, like, oh, you're so sassy. You're, You're so sassy. Or why are you so loud? Or why are you so passionate? And so like, that is, you know, like, I think also part of it. I don't know if like, I answered that well, because I feel like I was everywhere. But yeah. No, that's good, girl. That was a little flashback to college with sassy, but we're gonna let that go. <laughs> that um, sassy comment always like, gets wow, you, like, blows me. It just, I never heard time. that before in my life until I got to college. So interesting. But yeah, I think so similarly, I have an amazing mother and grandmother who were very strong women. I also saw them be extremely selfless for our family. Mm -hmm. So when I modeled my womanhood after that, it was giving, you know, giving so much of yourself, giving to Mm -hmm. others and whatever you had left over, you know, to, that's what you give to yourself. But yeah. And um, what I really appreciate about my mother, especially was that she always, she wasn't afraid to reinvent herself, like whatever was needed to get the job done, she was going to get it done, you know, and so I saw, um, and of course, my grandmother the same, but just, you know, growing up under under my mom, seeing that firsthand, but seeing women who were incredibly creative in the ways that they supported their families. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just loyal, you know, my grandmother, anything that I needed, that was my second mother. She was there mm-hmm. for me. Um, when I was a child, when I was a, an infant, a baby, uh, my great grandmother took care of me. And so just women who were supportive, I saw womanhood as something that was, um, was valued, you know, family was important to make sure we were there for them. But also, I'm grateful that I also saw my mom have friends who were in her life for years, you know, so I wanted that I wanted to have a strong group of friends around me as well that Mm. knew me for years and could be in my children's life when I have those. And so I'm grateful that I saw that. Um, But at the same time, women who didn't give enough for themselves, you know, didn't know how to like, especially as 
woman, yes. And then when we add on the layer of society, right? And black women being the lowest on the totem pole, being a woman, that intersectionality of a woman and black mm-hmm. in the um in the workplace as well, how challenging that was. My mom kind of advocating. She also encouraged, excuse me, encouraged me to have a voice. She was my first advocate. My grandmother was hers. And mm-hmm. so um, my grandmother really set that model of like, no, when anything happened at school, my mom was down there, no matter what <laughs> school I went to. She was like, oh, no, 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 which you're not going to do, you know. And so I'm so grateful for that. It taught me how to advocate for myself, you know, when my mom wasn't there in spaces, whether it's professional, personal, whatever the case was. And um, I appreciate that. I think where it got a little murky for me was when you add the church into that and well, I didn't even touch on that. Yeah. Yes. Opinion. So I would love to ask you, uh, did the church influence your view or what a version of a woman was? Oh, okay. So now I can talk more. So one, let's just start by saying my, I am a ministry baby. Like I kind of always knew I was called to ministry, but I didn't know what, and Taylor knew me in the before time, so I was like, child, I thought I was everything, but what God called me to be, child, I didn't know what I was hearing, girl, I was confused, Um, but I looked up to my mother because she's an evangelist, and she has a true heart for people, and when you talk about selfless, like, I mean, I remember her taking in her, a, a friend of hers who was going through an abusive, I, I remember people sleeping on our couch. I mean, you know, we would just kind of take people in, people have taken us in. And so I feel like I really got that value from my, my mom and my, and my dad actually. Um, and so she was so prominent uh, in the church, right? She was just so involved. But what I often saw was like, so to the point where it was like, that first family second so there were a lot of interesting like okay so there was like environments of control right um I think sometimes you know I feel like what I how church influenced me one like off top like you know I feel like girls are we're talked to way more about like specifically sexually sexual purity way 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 more right and Mm -hmm. so like I feel like there was a certain emphasis of like, you must be this for a man and you must be this. And it's like, you must eternally stretch yourself then until you have nothing left for men that, and I mean, everybody's experience is different, but that for me is like super personal because it's what I witnessed in my home, but it's also what I feel like I was fed from the church during that time in my life. We're talking before I got into my 20s and I started exploring on my own. We're talking, we're just talking foundationally. I think the positive side, you know, my my grandmother, my dad's side, strong woman of prayer, very prophetic. So I always grew up with these prophetic women who were so strong and they were so amazing, but they had these men in their life that just were dimming their light. Right. And so like they're going, you know, my mom's going to counseling, my auntie's going to counseling and y'all are telling them to stay with these abusive people and keep doing it and keep praying and, and he will change. And I'm not saying are we talking that about a therapist or a counselor outside of the church or in the church? talking about, you know, pastors, mm-hmm. leaders of that church. Mm-hmm. Thank you for clarifying, because I, no. you know, I kind of just talked like people knew. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're going to ministry leaders. You're going to your pastors and they're telling you to go back to him. Right. And so there was like two opposing forces because then on the other side, my auntie's like, no, right. But they're not like in the church, right? So they're seeing it from the outside and then there's some hurt on that end. And then on the inside, you know, it's like, it was just, I could say so much. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just feel like that's where when I talk about innately, I feel like our family is like strong women who speak up, but I feel like it got lost in that church world of like, not speak you know what I mean like okay well let me just go pray and hopefully he changes this abuser like I don't know (laughs) I'm just (sighs) that's a whole thing no I completely I hear you I think um my parents were not in ministry my family so actually my maternal family my grandmother and my even my mom grew up catholic um Mm -hmm. so on my paternal side my dad my grandmother on my dad's side was also very prophetic. She was definitely in the church. Um, She gave my mom her first Bible and really, 
you know, there in which my family really looked at Christianity. Right. And, um, so because of that, I didn't have those like foundational principles around, you know, what a woman is supposed to be. I think not until I started to have my own journey and we went to church every Sunday, but it wasn't so much of like, you know, this ingrained in me. I think I really brought a lot of that on I, as I started to grow in my faith and really try to reconcile, like, what is it to be a woman of God? And when you love God, like, how do you carry yourself? And I think, you know, many of us get caught up in thinking that it has to look this one way because so-and-so did it this way. And I got, I became uh, just dimming my light when the word meek, right? A woman is supposed to be meek and be the, the, the neck of her husband, right? And like the one who turns and supports him. And so I think I started to dim my light and was worried like, well, I have to be meek. I misunderstood that term. So I thought I had to be quiet and reserved and and make myself small. And I'm not that I'm loud and um, boisterous and of course, kind and supportive and all these other things. But um, quiet is not one of those adjectives that I would use to describe (laughs) myself. So I really was confused and it was this reckoning of like, okay, well, wait, that's not who I am, but God, I love you. But I feel like you created me this way. And like, what does that look like? And who should I be? And um, when we get into relationships, right? Like, should I desire a partner or should I not? And is that a bad thing? But mm-hmm. it says in your word, who he who findeth, you know, a wife findeth a good thing. But, you know, just all of these confusing and it's like, oh, slow it all down. Right. <laughs> I think it's tough to say and- that we're not saying y'all just start dealing. We're not saying that the principles of these things from Christ's perspective is bad, but the way that it got muddied and like, you know, communicated to us was just like a lot. Absolutely. I think there's a huge difference between um, the teachings of Christ and how people interpret those, right. And how they mm-hmm, teach them. Mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. yes, I love Jehovah. No, for real, for real. <laughs> um, no, that has not changed, but absolutely. And so understanding for myself, like, what does that look like? God, you created me to be this specific way, the way that I talk, the way that I'm um, built, like literally the way that my body is shaped, all these things are particular, specific, right? That God created me and embracing that. And I think it took a lot of work to embrace that. It took a lot of um, unlearning and deciphering for myself, like who has God created me to be? And so I would love for us to kind of delve into that, our own self-love journeys. Can you tell us a bit about yours? Um, Have you always felt worthy? Uh. so I'm going to build off like what I'm starting to get to like earlier like one I think that what I feel like what was really detrimental for me I guess in terms of self-worth was one I feel like it was always tied to another person um specifically men hello daddy issues um and so like I think there's two, I think, major sources that really influenced my self-worth. And that was one, um, dealing with addiction in a family causes a codependent structure. So one, that was kind of, I didn't become aware of it, honestly, until like my mid to late twenties of like, oh, this makes sense as to why we're functioning in, in these very enmeshed, you know, messy kind of relationships. So that's one thing, because when you're in those structures, you're worth and your value is always tied to another person so it's it's outside of yourself and then the other side of that just a little bit on codependence what does that look like just so our listeners or our watchers right um so they can kind of recognize maybe there's some qualities in their own life what is codependence we have a resident sure Sure. I don't have the like definition in front of me so this is very like mm -hmm. layman's terms but I think think about it like this when you're interdependent right you have two people who are whole and they balance, they, they um, not balance, but they give to one another and they support. And so there's this like interconnectedness, but it's based off of an equitable relationship. When you're in a codependent structure, it's, it's like you are tied, right? So your emotional state, your decision-making, your mental state is tied to another being. And that's not from a place of wholeness. That is from a place of brokenness. And so one thing that we talk about at Destiny's Door all the time, which is my church home, we talk about the fact that the enemy always has a opposing force to what Christ creates, right? And so I think in 
what God sees for us is wholeness, right? And having interdependent, interconnected communities. And we see that in the word all the time when he says, don't forsake fellowshipping with one another, iron sharpens iron. Those are like interdependent, interconnected relationships. I think that the opposing to that is codependency, right? Because in order for there to be a codependent structure, there has to be the manipulator, the controller, there has to be an enabler. So both our parties are addicted to whatever they're getting in that relationship. And that's what causes them to be enmeshed. When one person in your family is an addict, right? Naturally, the other person, if they stay with them, they become the enabler, which is mom and dad, right? Dad's the, you know, has the addiction, mom's the enabler. The kids end up in this codependent structure, right? And so everybody has their their role. And there's like a lot of research on this in terms of like family counseling. Um, And so like, I hope that answers the question. But so that is like, I just want to frame for you guys when I'm talking about this is like kind of the world that I grew up with, but I didn't have the language for, right? And I'm also, I grew up in church and I gave my life to Christ at a young age. And I had parents who loved God. I want to say that they they really love God. Um, but, you know, about around, I think six or seven, that's when my dad's addiction got really bad. And it just was just like downhill from there, right? And so the other side of like the self-worth, like, you know, being in church and, um I'm going to veer away a little bit from like the thing I was talking about with men and talk a little bit more about like having a religious spirit. So for me, what I love about my background is that I grew up, uh, one, I grew up holiness. Hi, yeah, 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 yeah. I grew up Pentecostal, y'all. Hallelujah, apostolic. (laughs) Put your skirt down, huh? You can't wear no jeans on you Sunday. You got to wear a jean skirt with a t-shirt and some sneakers. That's how I grew up, okay? Church picnic. Why you got pants on? Okay, depending on the church at the time, though, because we went to several different churches. But you know what I'm saying? So I heard about God's love. I knew about God's love, but I didn't have a reference for love, right? Because the framework, I know my parents love me, right? I know that my family loves me, but I didn't have like healthy forms of that in my formative, well, in the early years, but like after the early years, not not as much, Right. And so all of my examples of love are these like codependent warped kind of relationships for the most part, Um, besides, you know, the fact that my, you know, my family really loved us, right? Like they loved us the best way they could. And so sometimes people don't have, you know, what they don't have to give you. So there's, there's that. And I knew about God's love, but what I really was more acquainted with was like more of like religion. You must do this. You have to do this. Da, 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 da. So I think there's like two ways, you know, you could be more in a legalistic background and you can be more in like a hyper grace. I did not come up in the hyper grace. Okay. I did not start having understanding of grace and love like that until like an adult. <laughs> so um, I feel like I'm saying all these things because all of these things shaped my self worth. Right. Obviously a big, dagger in terms of my self-esteem was my father's absence was um that relationship was the emotional abuse and manipulate manipulation that I witnessed from in my house all the time with my my mother um and so what my example was is that no matter how badly someone treats you you just keep going back you keep going back you keep going back right and so because of that like I didn't have a lot of value in myself I even really young, I struggled with my self-esteem. My mom would like sit me in the mirror and, and say, say you're beautiful. And I'd be like, I'm beautiful. Can you give me stuff now? Like, I just did not feel beautiful. And if you want to even take another complicated layer, being a, a black girl who I, I grew up in California, but then I also for some time lived in Arizona. So being in a predominantly white neighborhood, I didn't feel beautiful at all. Like, right. So add another layer. So I feel like the layers just kept building that started to cause like daggers in my self-worth and my self-esteem. And I had parents who were great and loving, but weren't able to be present. Right. And so when you don't have that, then there's also the layer of like emotional neglect and like these different things. And just to preface this, I mean, my mom have a great relationship. So we are very open. We, we really talk very real. So I wouldn't say anything to, to put her down or make her feel anything. She's probably listening right now. (laughs) Like she is a a miraculous, amazing woman of faith, you know? And so I think that 
she saw that in me and she tried. She tried her best to help me. But even with her doing that, it just, it didn't, you know, it didn't take root for a very long time, if I'm honest, you know. I don't think I started feeling comfortable with my looks until maybe like my early 20s, mid 20s. Like it took a lot of work because of just the psychological damage of just these different situations Um, and then rehearsing them. Right. So that also makes it worse because you're hurting. Now you're hurting yourself. Now you're putting yourself in situations where people don't value you. And all that does is make your self-worth go down, 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 further and further and further and further. And that's how you see these people getting these lifetime cycles of these unhealthy relationships with others and themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. But we thank, thank God. Thank you for, yeah, it's just thank you for your vulnerability and transparency. I think that is a key tenet of our podcast, something that when we created it, we wanted to tell our stories and encourage other people. So I hope that someone was able to identify that and it gave them hope to know that, you know, man, those are parts of my journey. I'm, I may not be there yet where you are. Um, I'm still on that journey of becoming and we celebrate you. So mm-hmm. just want to add that in there on my side of things. Whoo, a bit different. I grew up as the only child. I do have a older half sister, um, but we didn't grow up together. I met her probably twice um, between seven in like 20, 23 years. And so, yeah, I grew up as the only child. I was also the first grandchild on my grandmother's side, um, excuse me, on my, on my mother's side. So uh, there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure to um, do well. I, I did excel and do things well. And so that furthered that expectation, not only for my family, but then you know, my own friends, their friends, parents, I started to become the model, right? The exception. And it didn't leave much room for me to make mistakes. So I felt all this pressure to be perfect and to do things right the first time. And I did not give myself a lot of space or grace to fail or try new things or um, do something hard because I didn't want to fail at it. So I think that put a lot of pressure on myself. I really wanted to please people. I wanted to make my family happy. And so it led to this people pleasing mentality in which I remember distinctly a time probably in like eighth grade, ninth grade, where I began to listen to, okay, well, this person said they love these qualities about this other person. So I'm going to be that. And I'm going to take this and I'm going to take all the good that I hear about what other people do. And I'm going to try to become that. And you know, we ha- you have this cognitive dissonance, like you're trying to be this person that you're not. And um, it's tough. You begin, you're angry, you're me, you're, you're not yourself, mm-hmm. you know? So I definitely felt like I struggled with trying to figure out who Taylor was mm-hmm. and was unsure. Although even in later years, in later years being early 20s, I felt like I had this outward confidence that people thought I was really confident about myself. And I was sure like when it comes to with work and, you know, school and things like that, like mm-hmm. I'm sure of that I'm confident of that. Mm-hmm. But when it came to valuing myself, right, who I really am, what I want, what I like, um, I was afraid to be honest about that. And it caused me to not be sure of myself. Right. And I think, um, there's something else I was going to say, but I lost my train of thought. Yeah, I think it was just hard trying to kind of find my voice. And mm. I was insecure about um, my weight. I think that definitely, although I wasn't like huge, I just also, you know, I had a shape of a woman. So mm. um, trying to figure about out that like, being young black girl in curvy early, you know, earlier on. Yes. Like, that's girl, a conversation. It's in tough. Itself. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you are objectified right sexualized um from a young age Mm -hmm. and then when you deal with actual sexual trauma on top of that like what do you do you know how do you form your identity you're stuck um and so that was really really tough and I Mm -hmm. think I didn't really yeah it was always it was never good enough that whole that was a running tape in my head anything that I did, like I said before, this perfectionism was never good enough, right? And then my body, if I was small, that still wasn't enough. Or if I was bigger, that wasn't, uh, you know, so it was never like 
being content in how I, I actually look. So I think, um, honestly, and that's still a journey, like being fully, you know, I love myself. And when I see myself, I'm like, get it, girl, you cute, sis. Um, but really, I've worked on body neutrality. And so like, I know folks talk a lot about body positivity. I'm all for being positive, absolutely about your body, but also knowing sometimes you're just going to be neutral. Sometimes it's mm. like, I, you know, don't hate it. Don't love it. But we're cool right here. Even and I think it's okay <laughs> to be that, you know, I feel like we get this false sense of, um, especially mm. on social media that like, you have to love your body all the time. And it's amazing, you know, and like, yes, I want to treat my body. Well, I feed it things that give it love. Mm-hmm. I exercise, like I do all of these things and I appreciate it for what it does for me. And also how it looks like all of that is true. Um, but also mm-hmm. knowing, you know, there are ebbs and flows in that as with everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was a huge part of my journey. And I also think, as I said before, being being very outspoken. It, mm-hmm. I remember many times in school where, you know, the teacher would be like, okay, let's give someone else an opportunity. To <laughs> okay. I was just trying to That's code for you. Okay, girl, you had enough time. Girl, this was all, you know, parent-teacher conference. My, my parents would go up in there and I'd be scared. Oh, what my teacher gonna say? Girl, it was always Taylor and talk too much. They would come out like, ma'am, we're gonna need you to be quiet, okay? You don't need to help. I was like, my mom, dad, the teacher wasn't explaining it right, okay? I was trying to help her because so and so was not getting it. So clearly, I became a teacher. So that's so funny. But, um, mm-hmm. but seriously, I think I was worried about not yeah, being too much for somebody, right? And mm-hmm. so like, I have to make myself smaller to make other people feel comfortable around me. And that is something, thank God, I've been with maturity, you know, but, um, and I think lastly, a part of my self-love journey, from a young age, I was also, a lot of people, family, adults came to me with their challenges. So I would be problem solving. Talk about it. Trying to figure out how to support them. And I think, um in some ways, you know, dealing with and trying to work through adult situations is hard as a child. You've never gone through these things. You don't Mm -hmm. know, you know, what to say or how to support folks. So Mm -hmm. I think as you were saying before, learning early on that you give, you give and give and give until you have no more, you know, Mm -hmm. and I had to release that because I literally was Mm -hmm. in a space where I could not I couldn't move on. I could not give to myself because I was so burnt out from giving to so many different people. Mm-hmm. And um, I really had to figure out like, wait, this is not, it's not going to work. I cannot mm-hmm. give from an empty place. Like for me to give mm-hmm. to other people, I have to be whole and full. And so. to piggyback off what you're saying, what, what that does is it creates this layer of like, okay, I am valuable if I help this person yeah. or if I give. So what it does, it sets you up to be a fixer. And like, we mm-hmm. talk about this all the time because although we have different experiences, we also have like so many similarities yes. in terms of like our up- upbringing and the things that impacted us. So like naturally it sets you up to be like, okay, I, I am lovable or I'm worthy if I can do this, this, and this, and this, if I can hold this and this and this for this person. And yeah. like, I never forget, I don't know what page, I follow all these little therapy pages, like the real therapist, not you Instagram therapist, I think you know what you're talking about. (laughs) But, you know, I follow this one that talks a lot about, you know, family trauma Mm -hmm. and like the after effects. And one of the things was like just breaking down like what makes you feel worthy of love. And I think that sets us up to feel like we need to be needed. And that is like, again, the foundation for codependent relationships, because one person is addicted to needing to be needed. And one person is addicted to being needy, right. And so it's like, you are literally trying to create boundaries with like no framework of how to do that, because this has been the norm. And not to say that, like, our families are particularly unhealthy. No, I think this happens like in all kinds of families, all shapes and forms, from the most minimal example to the most extreme example you can think of Mm -hmm. because a lot of us often struggle to have boundaries within family relationships anyway like you know in general Mm -hmm. and then that translates to your friendships and it translates to work and it translates to not having any point of like okay this is my off button this is how much I can take this is and so I think to do that uh and I'm sure you're gonna get into the self-love journey you have to start figuring out okay 
how do I love myself by having more boundaries? How do I love myself, right? By saying no, when I'm usually the yes person, or maybe you say no all the time and you need to say, I don't know, everybody's different, but <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I would love for us to great transition to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about where we are now. Um, in our next segment, in our Am I My Sister's Keeper, I want to give folks some practical tips. So right now, mm-hmm. just talking about generally where you are, and then we're going to give you all some tips about some things that work for us and how we are continuously on that journey and what we've learned so far. So yes, yeah, sis, what have you learned about yourself so far? And kind of where are you in that space when it comes to self-love, oh. self-worth? Yeah. Oh, the journey continues. So I can say for a fact that I am no longer in the I'm not beautiful and da 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 da. You know, I well, I think one coming to DC changed that because like my black man was like, "Hey, shawty, hey, shawty, ah, ah, girl, not to say that like, like, <laughs> <earlier. Okay. laughs> like too much, too, and not to say that like it was only about the guys because it wasn't, but also like you know, I was I was natural when it wasn't popular, right? Like I was Afrocentric, like I'm not your average girl on the video, like that was me young okay yes, I was wearing okay the it was both dress. of us girl. girl yes and the thing is I Weird. just know for a fact if we met younger we would have totally been friends <laughs> yes. because like you know what I'm saying that wasn't popular back then especially not in California not especially not out there so like, no, like why I, are you, was, you weird <laughs> like I didn't get no prom date you know I was like okay I'm gonna go with girl. my friends okay <laughs> <laughs> so I think in my formative years, like 18, 19 years old, um, when I, when I like went to college, I think, I think the self-love journey started a little bit before then, but I think it really kicked off when I got to college. And I, I think we could probably all say that because like, you're not at home, you're like, independent so you're like really figuring out how you actually show up to the world like because you really don't know until you get to college and like oh this is how I show up right and so I think I did a lot of that inner beauty except in my appearance and like things like that I think a lot of that happened first and I think um another thing that happened was when I started going on my journey with Christ and I left the traditional apostolic church environments that I was used to. No shade to anybody who was there. I love it. I love good old Holy Ghost fire. Hundredable seat. Love it. I do. I do. And I mean, we still do that at my church. But um, I kind of went on a journey like outside of what I was familiar with. And at that time, like that was taboo. Like if you ain't going down in G, I went down in Jesus name. If you're not doing all that, you going to hell. Like, you know what I'm saying? So like that was for me, although it may not seem radical to others, for me, that was a radical step to leave the, the Pentecostal church organizations that I was used to, that I was raised on and going in a different direction. And what I found is like, oh my gosh, a whole bunch of people have the Holy Spirit. Like what? Like, oh wait, the Holy Spirit isn't just about talking about like preaching tongues. Like I, that's when it took the lid off of like the love of Christ. When I started to really be like, okay, how do I accept him as my father? Who is Abba and how do I get that? And I think when you, when you get into the, when you get into talking about like Abba, God, father, that really deals with like identity development and repairing, right? Because often the father can set the identity in the home, right? Like not that your mom doesn't, but I think men and women, we have different giftings and things that God gives us to form in our, in our home. And so I think that, um, that was my beginning of like, okay, I am loved. I am loved. I'm safe. Right. But I think, um, for me, that was just like the jump start, And I think, I think I was around maybe like my earlier twenties. I'm in my late twenties now. And so that was a lot of it was just like Godfather. It was like connecting to him, learning about love, like starting over with my faith, like just relearning it as if I didn't go to church before and just trying to get a new foundation built. And I think that helped me in terms of like my self love was one understanding his love for me. The fact that like, what did that really mean? to me as a child of God. Um, And then also finding ways to root myself in the word. What does the word say about me? But again, this was still all very much at the like identity level. Like, who am I, you know? So, you know, just like baby steps in. Now that I'm in a more mature place in Christ, it's more about, okay, 
how do I go higher? Right. And I think that after I got done with like, okay, I like me, this is who I am. I think this is where like the past few years has been intensive work on learning how to not be a dependent. It's, it's a lot of work because I think it's like, y'all have a crier, but I'm not a crier. Um, but just like, it's, if T- Taylin could tell you like the way that I would show up in friendship and the conversations that we had early on, right? Because I couldn't really hear feedback at that time because to me, that meant I was a terrible person. Everything was, everything was criticism, right? And so Mm -hmm. when people don't really know where that comes from, it's just like, well, you just don't listen. Well, you're just like, you're, you're a stubborn person. So that starts to like dig at your more because you're like, oh my God, I don't want to be that friend, right? But what I really, what really happens when you are, coming from abusive environments and times where you're like hyper criticized is that like it wires you to feel like super rejected right it it roots you in the spirit of rejection so like nothing can get in and I really feel like that is like the enemy's plot is when people deal with the spirit of rejection like he does not want you to receive any truth so not only are you rejecting yourself but you're rejecting anything that is gonna pull you out of that space right And so I wasn't really aware, to be honest, I didn't have the tools or the language. Like I really didn't like I was a psych major, but I didn't know all that stuff. I didn't know all those things. And so I think um, I just went on this journey of really trying to, um, well, first I tried to undo it, but stepping back and allowing God to, to show me what it was like, because I was dealing with an orphan spirit and like, I'm not going to get too deep in that, but it's a lot of basically the heart of like the orphan spirit is that you have no father, you have no caretaker, you have no one. And so you overcompensate in all of your relationships because you're trying to do everything rather than allowing God in, allowing those people in to, Hey, I'm sharing the load with you. Hey. And so like, honestly, this friend group has actually been one of the catalysts to my deliverance to, to really being able to heal. And then I think if we talk about, sorry, I'm like going on, but like, if we're saying where I am now, I think I'm still in that. I think I'm happy to say that I'm not a dependent pretty much, but I think there are times where it does show up. It does, it does show up and I have to like root myself. I'm okay. Wait a minute. Because I didn't know who I was. My personality, my identity was tied to other people and what other people thought. And so like, yeah, I was this bubbly person and I was fun and I was pretty introverted as a child, but I think that was very environmental. And when I wasn't in that environment, my extroverted self was like my primary self. And so I think that, um, I think that, you know, now it's, it's the boundary set. (laughs) Like I'm very like fresh in terms of I'm a helper. Uh, I tend to extend myself. I tend to fill up all of my time, whether it's church, whether it's friends, whether it's my relationship, if I'm in one at the time, whether it's work. I mean, everybody gets my time but me. And ultimately, that boils down to God's not getting my time either. Right. And so I think right now I love myself. I know God is my father. Like I'm beyond that stage. I think it's more understanding safety and security. And what does that look like? And I feel like not being afraid to open the vault on like these deeply rooted things that I've numbed myself to for so long. And so like, I can't say that it's perfect. You know, I think right now, one thing I've been struggling with is, you know, um, not allowing the spirit of condemnation to hold me down. And I think, um, you know, I've made, you know, we all make mistakes, but sometimes like, again, like my tendency is to be wired toward more of the negative things. And so I'm just looking at what needs to be fixed and I'm not looking at what is and how to embrace the now and not just try to get to the next thing. And so I think for me, what I really am working on is embracing the now is accepting my flaws, knowing that I'm a flawed person, but God's grace is sufficient. Right. And it's not about taking advantage, but it's about just getting back up, getting back up. And there's a song that I love by Ruthie Foster and it goes, getting back up is harder than the fall. And I sometimes getting back up is harder than the fall because you're reckoning with all of these things that maybe you've done or others have done to you or whatever. And so I think for me, it's been just like 
breaking out of the cycles that I normally go into, right? And so I don't know, I think self-worth is very much evolving because evolving for me, because I'm learning that loving myself means saying no, and saying yes to me. And I've not spent very much time saying yes to me. I've been saying yes to everybody else. And what I really need to be doing is saying yes to God, yes to me, then yes to everyone else. Thank you. That's beautiful, sis. Yeah, I think I also was in a pretty critical, was definitely in a critical, like growing up, just my family wanted the best for me and they put me in so many different things. But as I said before, I put on a lot of pressure of myself. Um, So I also felt the spirit of rejection, but also I began to reject myself before I could even be in certain spaces. And I think, um, as I was saying previously around body image, I definitely suffered with disordered eating, even binge eating. And so I've taken a lot of time to be in particular therapy around, I mean, therapy has been huge and amazing in so many ways, dismantling so many false beliefs that I had about myself. And, um, but when it pertains to that, I just took time to learn like what I needed, what my body needs and how to trust my body. Cause I didn't, I didn't trust myself when it came to food. Um, and so like that has been super healing. I think I also, a side effect of seeing strong women caused me to feel like I couldn't ask for help. Right. Mm-hmm. Or I couldn't, I didn't know how to receive help from other people. Um, isolation was easy for me because it, uh, I didn't want to bleed on other people. Um, but that caused me to be in a space where I was so broken because I didn't, well, I didn't ask for help from the people that were there that wanted to give me love and wanted to support me. and wanted to help me. And so, yeah, I think, as you said before, the journey is you're becoming, you're always in process. I'm so grateful to say that I am in a healthy space mm-hmm. mentally. Like I know what I need, you know, when I do get in a slump or when I do get in it, um, you know, I feel a heaviness coming on a sense of depression. I know what my body needs um, to kind of get out of that. And I'm grateful for that. I can see myself and celebrate like all that I am and be willing to um, keep people at a distance who aren't willing to celebrate that with me, you know, and, and if that means being by myself, I'm okay with that, but not intentionally, you know, isolating myself. I think there's a difference. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful to be in a space where I can love like all the, the way that I talk, the way that I look um, and see myself as deserving of love and a value and not afraid to be honest about like what I need, right? To share that with people, particularly when it comes to romantic relationships and we'll get into that next week mm-hmm. or next episode, but um, not be afraid to say like, no, I'm not going to just <laughs> go with the flow here with you, sir, or not just do this I'm because like, I'm afraid to leave you. Right. Cause I don't, mm, that's questionable. <laughs> no, but I think before, um, yes, I don't want to get too much into that romantic relationships cause I'm excited to get into that next oh, episode, yeah. <laughs> but absolutely. I think I'm at this journey. I know that I deserve love and respect because I give it to myself. Um, mm-hmm. I'm able to name exactly what it is. And, and now because of the way that I give it and I know how I receive it, I'm able to um, require others to give it to me in that, in that same way or speak up when I don't feel like that is happening. And um, yeah, and just learning, learning how to be vulnerable and to be honest and all that takes, all that takes trust, right? And it takes time and you don't have to rush into it. Um, I think early on at some point where I was trying to navigate that, uh, I thought it meant like I had to be raw and vulnerable with, with a lot of people, with everyone. And that's not the case. I get to choose, you know, how and in what ways I want to um, bear myself. So I'm grateful for that. I really am. Awesome. So we can move us into our, yes. All right, and it's time for Am I My Sister's Keeper? Am I My Sister's Keeper is the critical self-reflection point of our podcast. This is a segment where we explore the difficulties of relationships and challenge ourselves to love each other better. Hashtag keep your sister, your friend, your mama, your brother, your daddy, whoever. Baby. to share I can set us off sharing at least three things practically that we did to be in a space to love honor and respect ourselves Mm. one let's just say off top therapy is like amazing so we're gonna we're gonna share that but I think practically so I mean practically yeah therapy was just a huge not only that 
But as I spoke about before, having nutritional therapy as well, or having a nutritionist to kind of talk about like what I need. Um, Things that I do for my mental health include being outside, like literally fresh air, vitamin D is so healing for me. Mm. Um, Journaling was a huge part Mm. of me, recognizing some patterns as I begin to, I used to do this every year, I used to go back and read, I started keeping a journal in college. And I started seeing different patterns about my behavior. And I was like, wow, Um, it illuminated that. It will show you cycles. Ooh, will it? So that was huge in my growth and kind of understanding of self. And um, I think also just learning about and paying attention to what is celebrating the things that I do well, right? Being able to like honor that about myself and know that God loves me. Like when I fully understood like God's love for real, like I don't have to work for it. I don't have to do anything for it. It's not tied to what I'm giving of God. He doesn't need anything from me, like nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because I'm his child, he loves me. Really understanding that changed my entire world. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think particularly in these past year and a half, when I was in New York, it was a time of the Lord literally doing surgery on my heart, like dismantling so many false beliefs, so many um, just insecurities that I had and required me to be just really honest about who I was, the things that I wasn't proud of. And so taking that time, I feel like it's crucial. Yeah. Um, what am I thinking? <laughs> I was not ready. Um, no, I think that's amazing. Like you said, there's a lot of the good ones. Obviously, we're very pro-counseling, pro-therapy. Yes. Um, but also, I would say, in addition to that, because I didn't have consistent therapy. So like, yeah, I think this is like, like, what are some things that they can do to still? Right, right. So I think one, if you're in college, if you're a student, take advantage of your counseling center. That mm-hmm. is the first place. Uh, a lot of us go to, especially us like black people and other probably brown people. We usually get our first therapy experiences like in college. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, try to take advantage of that and then check into your city to see if there are any free resources. So here um, we went to school in D.C. There's the D.C. Rape Crisis Center. So if you've had any sexual trauma, doesn't matter what time that happened, you can go and get counseling there and it's free. However, the wait list is typically long because, you know, they serve a a very populous city. So that's the one thing. So that's like some of the things. Also, if you check out with counseling schools, a lot of times they have clinics. And so you can go meet with the students. So that's what I used to do. I used to see people in the community. I know for a fact, George Washington University has the community counseling center. It's called the CCFC. And you can go see a student and you can pay like $0, $5. And then the next thing I would say is if you want a licensed professional counselor, that some people do sliding scale. So you can see, do they offer a sliding scale? Is your insurance covered by it? Um, you can do Open Path Collective, which was something Taylin had recommended to me, where they have fixed rates. So there's like so many different ways that you can go about it. So I, I did that. And also like your EAP with your job. So there's usually um, something called an EAP. And so sometimes you can get an, a, a certain amount of like counseling sessions for free. So maybe five, maybe 10. And then if you want to be real ghetto about it, see if one of your friends got that and then they got a family member and say you you their cousin you gonna get five free because I did that I mean I'm telling you I was hustling for my therapy okay because I was really committed to my deliverance process and I think if I could say anything is commit like I think I had gotten to a place where I was so desperate to be free I was willing to like go to lengths for that freedom so I think that oftentimes you know I think some of the tips I can give outside of that is one, being intentional with your conversation with the Lord. And so like, there's a place for intercession. There's a place for praying for others. There's a place for, you know, all that, but like having an intimate relationship with God has been so healing for me. And I think I love the book of Psalms. Um, And I know people try to write Psalms off. Like it's like this, like easy to read book but Psalms is deep like it's actually a very deeply prophetic book and I think that if you stay surface with it you will miss so much of the wisdom and so much of the blessing and so for me I would 
I would root myself in the word because rooting myself in the word was what, how I got to know and learn God's voice. And it was how I knew how he felt about me. So when the enemy would come with these lies and these word curses, I would undo them with God's word. I'll never forget. I had this Ghanaian friend um, and I don't know where she is. Her name was Grace. Grace, if you're out there listening, like, I don't know where she's at. She went to law school. And I remember she used to read Deuteronomy 28 over herself every day. And she like was my friend back in college. And so I would read, I am the lender and not the borrower. I am the head and not the tail. And even if I didn't believe it, I was speaking those words because the Bible is a prophetic book. So even if you're like, Sam, I don't prophesy. I don't, the Bible is prophetic. His word is prophetic. So if you speak that over you, you're speaking that over yourself. God is not a man that he should lie. So everything that he says is true. And so that for me brought a lot of healing and deliverance to my mind. Right. Um, so that's one thing. I think another thing is community, community. Like you yes. cannot do this by yourself. Um, I think that um, one of the things that I think, I don't know, like we didn't intentionally do this, but we just naturally started doing this thing where when we go on trips, like we'll check in and we'll have hard conversations. We'll hash it out with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think I- Yeah, I'll be getting real, real, real. Right? And like for me, I think I withheld a lot for in the early years because I was really like, did not like conflict. And so- Sometimes I just would not say anything. <laughs> One time, my friend, shout out to Osaka, like, she was like, I just feel like you just disappeared. Like, your voice just, like, went silent. And I was like, hmm. I was used to doing that. I was used to doing that with my family. I was just used to doing that. And so I think um, I think when you have solid friendships, that actually is a great way to work on relationships because, like, your friends, you know, family and friends, two different things, right? Like, so your friends, you know, they don't have sometimes this like rough maybe history or complicated history or maybe even positive, whatever you want to say, like as you might with your family members. So I think if you feel like you're not able to quite work on those relationships yet, you can start with friendships and then you can work backwards. And I think that's kind of like the approach that I didn't purposely take, but like kind of happened. And so like having those friendships that like sharpen you, that tell you the truth, but they're not telling Absolutely. you, hey. They're, they're not trying to put you down like, hey, you're just stubborn and you don't care. They're like, no, I see your heart. I love you. But when you do this, this hurts me. Or maybe maybe you're not aware that it bothered you. Like, prime example, like I went to Taylor's house this year and like I totally like forgot to like put my dish away. I think I was like working. I was like busy. And my friend was just like, hey, friend, like, did you mean to do that? Like, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I don't want to be the roommate that don't clean. Right. Like, because at my house, I just like leave stuff and then I come back to it later. Right. It's not like an intentional thought. And so why I'm giving that example is that Chanel just took her time to be like, hey, friend, I'm just bringing this to your attention. There was no malice behind that. She wasn't trying to hurt me. She just wanted to bring something to my attention. And I was like, oh, man, hey, I'm sorry. Cleared it up right there. You know what I'm saying? And so I think when you're able to have those those relationships, that really helps you. I'll never forget, I was listening to this podcast that um, this is not my quote, and I can't remember the woman's name, but she said, healing is a partnership with God and community. And I loved that. So if you notice, the first thing I told you was about God. The second thing was community. And then I think the last thing that I would say is intentionally um, observe yourself and pay attention to what you like and dislike. I know it sounds so simple, but I think for me in this time period, as I was saying earlier, like I was feeling trapped and like just trying to really like take care of my mental health in this pandemic. Um, Before I started working my job now, like I had a lot more time. So during that time, I like got reacquainted with things I love. I love to draw. I love art. I'm just an artist at heart. It doesn't matter what I do. I love art. And so I was sketching and I just would just do that. And I would listen to an audio book. I loved to read when I was a kid. I loved to draw. I loved to write music. And sometimes I realized that the way that I wasn't prioritizing myself was prioritizing the things I love to do, the things that didn't take money, the things that I could just do all day long. Um, And I think that's been a struggle now. It's just like, now I'm so busy. The reason why self-care gets lost is I'm like, literally, I have to schedule it in. That That is how busy I've started to get. And so like, when you do that, that's an act of self love is prioritizing you. What do you like? Prioritizing your health, going to the doctor, you know, buying groceries, not eating out, bam. Like, you know, 
these are ways that you love yourself. So if I could say anything, it's be intentional about how you spend your time with you. I love that. Beautifully said. All right. So I think we, oh, before we get into our next segment, y'all. Okay. So we want to do a listener's question segment. Now, ain't none of y'all put no questions out there, but you know, we're going to keep trying. We're going to keep trying to get y'all's questions. So we need you to help us come up with a name for this segment because we don't know what to call it. Okay. So if you guys could leave us, drop us a comment, send us a DM, let us know. And also send us your questions. Like, what do you want to know? What do you want us to talk about? I mean, you know, Shoot us a, you know, a DM at, at we define sisterhood, or you can email us at we define sisterhood at gmail.com. Now, without further ado, you know what time it is. It's time for the benediction, huh? We love the church. Let the church say amen. All right. So <laughs> we've come to the benediction where we spend our final moments affirming one another with true statements still in Christ and with a prayer of agreement. Taylor, take it away. So today's benediction first starts with our affirmation, and that is I release negative self-talk and love the person I am becoming. Say it with me, beautiful people. I release, release negative, negative self-talk. self-talk. <laughs> And I love the person I'm becoming. Woo! Um, yeah, so today I just want to really pray that over you. I, I, I really hope that at least something that we said um, resonated with you, encouraged you, made you think, made you reflect. Maybe you need to go pray or maybe you need to journal or talk to a friend about um, something that's deeply troubling you that you weren't sure how to say um so use us tell them we told you to go tell them okay yes uh, tell them. and tell them in love y'all don't be mad yes 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 so um <laughs> i want to just pray for you i pray that Father God, thank you for this opportunity for us, for Sam and I to just share our truths, share our testimony, where we've come and how we are still on this journey. I pray for those who are listening, man, woman, child, mother, father, sister, brother, all, all of it. God, um, at whatever time they're listening, those who feel overwhelmed when they're hearing all this, because God, they're not sure where to start, Lord, or um, someone who may be feeling just literally um that is crying out to you god Mm -hmm. with frustration with with fear lord or with anger because god they've gone through so many things so many traumas that have deeply wounded them but thank you that no one is too far gone but i thank you that the self-talk is going to begin to change that they're going to use some of the practical aspects that we've provided tonight lord and they're going to start to do the work or be recommitted to it if that's their reminder let tonight be their reminder that lord they can love the person that they are becoming that you've created them with such intentionality god you said you know the number of hairs on our head and so thank you that you would take such intention with the way you've created your children that you love on them that you support them and i pray that they wouldn't use the excuse that oh well this is just the way that i am no god show them who you really created them to be we celebrate all that you are and all that we are becoming in jesus name we pray amen amen well we hope you have enjoyed this podcast and remember to follow us at we define sisterhood on the ground Let light, love, and laughter forever be your portion until we meet again. Boo!